Good evening, everybody. You know the drill whenever you're listening. Thank you very much for doing so. As always, my name is Jack Kopansky, and this is another admittedly abbreviated edition of I'm Just Saying here. Labor Day weekend kind of threw me off a little bit. I didn't intend to get back to my Wednesday release, but with Tuesday kind of being my Monday back to work, that sort of threw my brain off. I realized driving into work today, oh crap, this is a Wednesday. I was supposed to have a podcast out. And I'm covering a game tonight, so I can't even record one tonight tonight to get one out Thursday. So if it sounds a little different, it's because I'm not in my room. I don't have my normal headset and microphone on. I'm in my car right now. I'm on my way to my game. So like I said, this is just going to be a quick little abbreviated uh, podcast just to give something for you guys to listen to. We're going to recap recap some of the college football games, mainly Ohio State, Notre Dame, talk about what they did, and then we'll also probably do a quick preview of the Browns and Titans coming up on Sunday. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, as promised, we'll start off with a little bit of college football recaps here. First game we're going to be looking at, Ohio State and Florida Atlantic. Ohio State came away with the 45-21 win. The first game for Justin Fields as Ohio State's starting quarterback. The first game for Ryan Day as full-time official head coach. Uh, To be perfectly frank, it probably should have been closer to about 100 to 21, considering how Ohio State started the game. They scored 21, uh, 21 points in, I believe, about five minutes of game time between their first three drives and Florida Atlantic's first two three and outs on their first two drives. It was just, it it looked like it was going to be an absolute slaughtering. Uh, Justin Fields was running and passing like crazy. He ran in for, I think, I think it was like a 45-yard touchdown on on the first, on Ohio State's first touchdown on their drive. That might be a little long, but he, you know, he, he was, he was working, he was working the ball with his legs. He was making crisp passes, and it looked like after those first few drives that, you know, there was that Ohio State could score on every single one of their drives and it was going to get very ugly. But as the game kind of progressed, Ohio State seemed to take their foot off the gas a little bit. I don't know whether it was, I don't know whether they got complacent or whether, you know, something changed that Florida Atlantic was doing defensively. But there were, you know, there were a few punts. I think there was a turnover at one point. And for a 21 point lead, it felt like. You know, it felt like Ohio State was just holding on to this three-possession lead against a team like Florida Atlantic, and it, it really was kind of baffling to watch because coming into this game, you know, I, I remember I was joking at one point that it's like, you know, this is a Lane Kiffin coach team. This should be a blast to watch because it's going to be a blast annihilating Lane Kiffin, and I apologize. I just pulled the score back up that it was actually 28 to nothing um, before Florida Atlantic scored. Ohio State was up 28 nothing after the first, and then FAU got those uh, got that field goal in the second and kept Ohio State scoreless in the second quarter, which was when things kind of started to get a little, I don't want to say uneasy, because I, I, I don't think there was ever a doubt in anyone in, in Ohio State's, uh, in, uh, in Ohio State Nation's mind that, that they were going to win this game, but it was a matter of we should be winning it by about 50 more points. And even in the third quarter, just 10 combined points. Ohio State had 7 FAU at 3. You know, it was it was just kind of odd that after that first quarter, they, they just really, like I said, they took their foot off the gas. It was kind of crazy to watch. I mean, it was it was just a matter of, you know, I don't know whether they took them, whether they started taking FAU a little too lightly. I don't know whether FAU just finally found something that started clicking. But at the end of the day, they got the job done. They got the win. Um, 
I, I, I'm excited to see what Justin Fields could do. I'd like him to see it do. I'd like to see him do a little bit more with his arm. Uh, he, he was running a little bit more than I was comfortable with. Again, I don't. I, I, I'm not. I'm not pretending to be. A, you know, an analyst here. I don't know whether that was just good coverage by Florida Atlantic, whether that was, you know, quick decisions on his part just to, you know, get out of the pocket and start running too soon, or whether he wasn't seeing his reads well enough. Whatever the case be, I, I'm not. I'm not worried by any means. But I, uh, I'm just glad that they came away with the win nonetheless, even if it should have been definitely by a much bigger margin. Uh, the next game we're going to talk about real quick: Notre Dame and Louisville. That happened on Monday on Labor Day, and. Uh, First, let me send my condolences to Ryan and Jack that they uh, they bet on the over on that game, which I think was set at 55, I think. I think that was what it was set at. And then the, the total ended up being 52. So, uh, so condolences to them for your bad beat on that one in what was one of the ugliest 18-point wins I have ever seen. Notre Dame came away with it 35-17, to 17, but good God, was it just an absolute shit show for, for both teams, really. Notre Dame's defense just decided they didn't want to stop Louisville's quarterback, whose name I'm admittedly blanking on. Again, I'm kind of doing this from the seat of my pants. I just wanted to get something out, so I didn't have a whole lot of research in front of me. But Notre Dame's defense did not seem to care about stopping Louisville's quarterback, who was running the ball all over them, looking like Lamar Jackson 2.0, essentially. And then on offense, Ian Book just looked like he had no idea what he was doing out there. It was it was just so confusing because this is a guy that you saw last year take over midway through the season, and he really looked good. There were some talks near the end of the year that he might, you know, that 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 he should possibly be considered, you know, on the Heisman race. And above all else, yeah, it's an 18 point win for Notre Dame, but this is a Louisville team that did not have a lot going for it coming into this year. No one was really talking about them doing anything substantial. You know, they, they lost a lot of talent. Obviously, you know, we, we, we found out their quarterback is pretty good. But this is, you know, there, there's a reason that the point total was that high, and it was because people were expecting Notre Dame to contribute all that. You know, at, at being tied 14 after the first quarter, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I was legitimately worried that Notre Dame was going to find a way to blow this. Thank God... Thank God Louisville's offense kind of sputtered the rest of the way, but I I don't know if I've ever seen 35 points come in a more disgusting manner. It just it looked like there was no flow, there was no game plan. It was just, I, I can't say anything else other than it was just a hideous game. And if Notre Dame plays anything like this when they go up against Georgia on the road, they are going to be in big, big trouble. All right, now shifting gears to professional football. Obviously, the NFL season gets underway officially tonight, I guess, with Thursday night football. But, you know, all the main games will be going on Sunday, and that's when we'll have the Cleveland Browns and Tennessee Titans squaring off to open up the season. And, oh, boy, am I excited that it's finally here. All the all the excitement around this team, all the talk, all the chatter, all the hype, all the expectations is finally going to be put to the test. It's finally going to go from this is a great team on paper to we're going to see if this is really going to be a great team and great product on the field, and I could not be more excited. And probably the biggest thing, I could not be more confident that this team isn't just going to be a good team, quote-unquote, on paper. Baker, Jarvis, OBJ, Chubb, they're finally all going to be putting it all together. I know 
uh, I know OBJ and Landry didn't play a lot or any of the preseason. I can't remember if they actually played a single game. But anywho, they're on the field now. It's going to be great. We're going up against the Titans, who I think are honestly a great Week One opponent for this team. It's not someone that it's not someone that they're going to be able to roll over by any means, but it's also not someone that is going to roll over them. Uh, I know I know one of the big things I heard listening to ninety two three at one point today that they're going to be without Taylor Luan, which is going to be big. That'll be that, that should hopefully mean that Miles Garrett and um, uh, Joby, Sheldon Richardson, hopefully all of them have a field day with that offensive line. Um, you know, I, I know I, I can't remember. I'm gonna look this up right now and just try to uh, do a little bit of stalling because I can't remember if I heard something regarding. Okay, no, yeah. So for some reason, I thought that Derrick Henry was injured, but he obviously is not. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, so he, he, he missed a lot of camp with the calf injury. That's what I was thinking about. Um, I just, I quite frankly hadn't been paying enough attention because if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. Isn't that right? Can we also just say that I love that that is becoming the new slogan outside of feeling dangerous because that has been overplayed to absolute death. I love it. It's great. I love Baker. It's a great saying for him, but good God, stop making the shirts and hats and hoodies and everything out of it enough already please anywho the Browns have not won a season opener since 2004 I was eight years old it's been 15 freaking years since the team has won a season opening game that's the one time they've done it since they came back but you know what that changes today or god what am I talking about sorry my mind's in a billion different places that changes Sunday Again, finally putting all the offensive weapons together I think is going to be huge. I think that defense is going to be ready to feast on Marcus Mariota. And quite frankly, I'm not all that worried about Derrick Henry. I know I know he's a great back. I know he's, you know, he, he's strong, he's quick. But I think <clears throat> excuse me. I think if you can contain him, you don't have, you don't have to stop him. You just need to sort of minimize the damage he does to you. This, this Browns offense is going to be able to take care of the rest. So with all that being said, my official prediction for Sunday, if you can't already guess, is that the Browns are going to come away with the win. They're going to be starting the season 1-0. and And I've never been much of a score guy, but let's go ahead and say, I don't know, if I had to pick something, I'd say maybe 38-24 Cleveland. I know the spread's a little bit closer, but I think the energy surrounding this team, the energy in downtown Cleveland, is going to really feed into this team, and I don't think that there is a force on earth, no matter what team, no matter who was walking into First Energy Stadium in Week 1, there was not going to be a single team in the NFL that could stop or contain this Browns team or this Browns fan coming in, or these Browns fans coming into Week 1. That is just going to be an absolutely incredible atmosphere. And, I, and like I said, I think it's going to serve as cliche as this phrase is when talking about a stadium, and I apologize. I think it's going to really serve as a 12th man in this game, and it is going to just give those guys an immeasurable confidence boost. And let's go ahead and say, let's say, let's say Chubb scores two on the ground. That's 14. Let's say Baker, let's say Baker gets one, two, OBJ, 21. Let's say he gets another two in Joku, 28. 
And, you know, let's keep spreading the wealth. Let's say he gives one to Landry as well. So three touchdowns for Baker, one each for OBJ, Jarvis, and Njoku. Two rushing touchdowns for Chubb. And a field goal from Austin Seibert. Also, while we're speaking of kickers, let's just talk about the surprise that happened recently that they cut Britton Colquitt and kept the Scottish Hammer. I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. I love Britton Colquitt, but I also love... I'm blanking on his name right now, so I'm just going to keep calling him the Scottish Hammer. I love the Scottish Hammer. The guy is charismatic, and he he has a freaking leg. I can understand them wanting to go a bit younger and sort of you know get a little more youth and get a little more time at that position, and I'm fine with it. Britton Colquitt isn't going to be out of a job long, but it's in, in those in those years in those few years of one in thirty one, zero in sixteen, one in fifteen, and even last year. He really was one of the bright spots on this team, and that kind of says a lot when the punter is one of your bright spots. But anywho, before I go, though, there's one last thing I want to do. Again, I don't normally do this, but I was looking at this at work, and I wanted to I wanted to run through the Browns' schedule real quick and just sort of give my preliminary, uh, preliminary pre-any-games, pre-any-injuries thoughts on on wins, losses, and total records this year, because I don't think I've done that yet. But anywho, looking at it, I already said I think they're going to start with a win against the Titans. I definitely think they can beat the Jets on Monday night, even though they're going on the road. I think their first loss does come against Los Angeles, even though they are at home and it's a primetime game. The Rams are a different kind of beast. They just locked up Jared Goff for an immense amount of money for I think it was another five years. So I think they're going to get their first loss there. Then they travel to Baltimore. You know, this one I think could go either way because I think Baltimore is really the only competition the Browns have in this division right now. But again, I think that sort of riding the coattails of those first two wins in the seasons and maybe wanting to get a little bit of revenge after a Rams loss, I still think they beat the Ravens at home beat the Niners. They're probably going to lose to the Seahawks again, even though it's at home. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson, um, Bobby Wagner, all those guys. Seahawks are still a stacked team. They're still probably the second best team in the NFC West. So I don't, I, I just don't see the Browns beating them yet. If this is maybe next season after the season we have this year, you know, I think that conversation's a little different, but I think that, uh, that Seahawks game drops them to four and two through six games. Then they'll have the Patriots. Again, I, I this this one was hard for me because I think I think this team as it stands right now can beat the Patriots. It's a matter of if they will because you know Brady Brady's as much as we want to say Brady's getting older, and I am going to say he's getting older. He's not getting worse, and there's no denying or arguing that. And I'm not trying to make the case that he is getting worse. There's no Gronk. You know, their receiving core isn't what it used to be. I can't remember if Nkeel Harry is going to be back by that point. I think he's designated to return either on or after week eight. So I think depending on if he's back, that makes a difference. But just to kind of play it safe, this this one I think really is a bit of a coin toss. And it's going to depend on, you know, who sees injuries where, what's going on at, you know, at that point in the season. But to play it safe... I'm going to call this one a loss. I'm going to put them, uh, that would put them, i got to count through here. I have a horribly designed schedule in front of me. One, two, three, four. four. So that puts them at four and three. Traveling to Denver next, I think they beat the Broncos. Home against the Bills, I think they win that. Home against the Steelers, yup. Four, five, six, seven, and three. They'll beat the Dolphins at home. Traveling to the Steelers, they'll beat them again. 
They'll beat the Bengals at home. They'll traveling to the Cardinals. Unless Kyler Murray develops into like a rookie of the year candidate, which I think he can, but unless he does that, I think they win that game too. I think they beat the Ravens again when they're at home, and I think they beat... I, I, I don't see any reason the Browns shouldn't... I don't see any reason the Browns couldn't, excuse me, get a clean sweep of the AFC North this year. The Ravens, again, are the only team that concern me. You know, I know I know the Bengals have some weapons offensively. I know they've got, you know, Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. I, I get that. That's fine and Danny, but they still have Andy Dalton throwing the ball. Let's not forget that. So, as it stands right now, I see three losses. Now, to sort of play it safe and to kind of hedge my bet a little bit, because I know that, again, they're, they're you know, like I said, the Ravens the Ravens are, are concerned. What Kyler Murray does could maybe depend on what happens with the Cardinals. I don't know. I'm going to conservatively say that this season the Browns will go no worse than 11-5. and five. I'm going to say that right now. I'll tweet it out. You know, I'll tweet it out later tonight when the podcast comes out. But I'm saying 11-5 and five for the Browns. They're going to win the North. And then we'll go from there. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not in the business of making playoff predictions before before the regular season even starts. But they are going to win the North, 11 and five. Book it right now. Throw however much you have to throw on it. It's a done deal. All right, that is going to do it for this abbreviated in the car episode of I'm Just Saying. Thank you very much for listening, as always. Thank you for putting up with kind of the impromptuness of this and sort of the lack of preparation on my part on a lot of this stuff, especially in the college football. But again, this was kind of something I just want to make sure I got something out because I want to try to keep myself a little bit more consistent and hold myself accountable to doing these at least once a week. Um, again, with the season starting back up now, like I mentioned, and I believe two episodes ago, I, I, uh, I'm going to try to maybe do a quick little 10-15 minute instant reaction podcast, quote unquote, recording, um, just to kind of get my thoughts on the Browns game, have that out either late Sunday night or first thing Monday morning, and then still have my regular full length Wednesday episode. Uh, so we'll see what we can do with that. I have been uh, I have been talking to a few of my buddies. We're going to try to get them on as guests here so it's not just me talking and yelling at myself all the time. Uh, try to gotta, you know, try to change it up a little bit, make it a little bit more exciting for you. Um, yeah, so all that's in the works. I'm thinking that once the NFL regular season gets underway, I think I'll have a little bit more, you know, talk about a little bit more stability and sort of what's going on with the episodes, and I can have a little bit more structure as far as how things are done. So thank you very much again for listening. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jack underscore Kopansky. Let me know what you thought of the episode. And as always, I will talk to you in the next episode.